David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Elliot, we're going just for one person today on the show. Yeah, it's, it's a guy who said he didn't have much to say. Not much to say. He went with one hour talking to us, and it wasn't having to get information from him. We'd ask him a question, and then five minutes later, you have to interrupt him to get to our next question, because he was still going. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic. He was as fantastic a guest as he was a linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs back in the day. Hank Stram said he could have played all 11 positions on offense or defense. Well, he started off as a quarterback. In Minnesota, won a championship there, won a championship in high school, won a championship in the NFL. He, he did it all. Definitely. Let's get right to an interview with Bobby Bell. So I see, Bob, you played halfback and quarterback in high school, and then you go to Minnesota. Did Minnesota recruit you at halfback or quarterback at all, or was it basically they wanted you on defense? They, uh, <clears throat> Minnesota, did. well, the thing is, Minnesota did not recruit me. I got a, let's go back a couple of years. Okay. I was in North Carolina. I wanted to go to North Carolina, but at that time, they didn't lie. Blacks could not go to North Carolina. So I, I played in an all-star game. I was a quarterback. I was a quarterback in high school. And so when I went to the all-star game for the black school over in Greensboro, some of the coaches from the North Carolina and uh, up north, uh, Michigan and uh, Notre Dame, they was over there watching, doing something else, and they came over to watch us play. And late Jim Taylor from North Carolina, the head coach there, saw me play. And... Uh, when I went into the game to play, uh, the guy already had three good quarterbacks from Triple H school, and he said, "Well, you can play." You know, they had me playing halfback. So when they finally put me in in the middle of the, uh, I guess the first quarter, and I started running the ball, I think I scored at least two or three touchdowns, and I got most valuable player of the game. And he ended up calling Coach Warmer at Minnesota. Say hey, there's a kid here lives next to the mountain in Shelby. That's a hell of a football player. Said uh, you know we need you need to put him up there. He said he guys, I guarantee he'll make it. I didn't know this till after the fact that you know that he made a promise to coach. You know if they take me, I'd never been on a plane before. You know and they they couldn't believe it because we didn't have no picture. He never they never saw me. And uh, I found out years later that he told the coach if I couldn't make the team, he would pay for the scholarship. See, but uh, I ended up playing at Minnesota as uh, a freshman as quarterback. They moved me to offensive tackle and defensive end. So I ended up going that at Minnesota. I went both ways. What was the change like going from North Carolina to Minnesota? Both. Uh, you know, obviously there was a climate change, but there was also a sociological change. You, you went to an all-black school in, in the segregated South up up to Minneapolis. 
Uh, it was. It was like that's a culture change. It's a very culture change for me because I ended up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah, and back then it, uh, it, it was what probably two percent blacks in the whole state of Minnesota. So I, you know, I went from one uh, culture from North Carolina to Minnesota to where. I was out, you know, I walk around campus and didn't see anybody but Sandy Stevenson and Judge Dixon, Bill Muncy, and uh, Bob McNeil, you know. We had five black players on the team. That's all the police I had associated with blacks then at that time. And uh, it was a big shock, you know. But, you know, the thing is, I went to Minnesota, and I wanted to play baseball. I was a better baseball player than I was a football player. And Minnesota at that time had a uh, Big Ten champs and national champs in baseball. And I wanted to play baseball. And so when I ended up going up there, getting on the plane for the first time, and uh, I asked the coach, you know, he said, well, we, we don't know yet. I said, can I play baseball too? And he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, I told my dad, you know, and I, I said, Dad, I, I would love to go to Minnesota. You know, going to uh, high school and the elementary school, the whole whole school was like 168 something in the whole school. And I'm going to a big university at that time. I guess it was like 35,000 students, you know. I'd never seen that many people at one place there. And uh, I told my dad, listen, I would like to go here. And uh, he said, hey, if, it, if that's what you want, I'll go for it. You know, and the thing is, I, you know, I tell this, I tell people this all the time, you know, is my dad is the one that drove, you know, he just kept saying, son, you can do it, you can do it. Because back then, most of the people in Shelby would say, hey, they, they graduate from high school, they go to college for a couple of years, they come back and get a 40-hour job, get married, have a family, that was it. That was it. That's They had, they, they were doing great, man. But I, I wanted to do something better. I want to go beyond that. You know, and my dad worked at a textile mill there in Shell where they take cotton and turn it into yarn, uh, yarn and uh, turn it into cloth. And the next thing you know, they owned a couple of mills. And my dad worked for them, and they lived in the country club. Out there at the country club, I used to cut the grass and take care of the house. And they kids would go off to the military school, the big school, and they come back. And they used to have, invite me in the house, and I go in there and look at the yearbooks, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Is dad, my dad never finished school; just barely went to three grades, and that was it. He worked, and I just always went back to him. Dad, you, you should saw this book, man, this yearbook. And so I said, "You think it ever that I will be able to do that someday?" And my dad always said, "Yeah, you can do it, son. Go for it." You know, and you know, people always talk to me about what's the biggest thing is going to Minnesota. Yes, that's one. You know, and they say, well, I went through all of it. You know, I was Big Ten, you know, the Big Ten champs and uh, national champs, Rose Bowl champs, and stuff like that. I was in high school champs, you know, basketball championships, you know. And they say, well, what's the biggest thing you know that ever happened to your body? It was going into the Hall of Fame, the College Hall of Fame, uh, being the Outland Trophy, being third in the uh, Outland. I mean, in the uh, Heisman. I was third in Heisman back in '60. 
I said, no, no, no. Oh, what about being pro football Hall of Fame? I said, yeah, that's, I said, that's at the top of the pyramid. He said, but the biggest thing for me, guys, is that, uh, you know, my dad always, he was a driver with me. He's always on my side because most people said, don't go to Minnesota, you get lost and stuff. And he told me, oh, go for it. And the biggest thing is that the first time I played varsity football in Minnesota, and they had Father's Day there, and my dad and mom came up to the school, and he got an opportunity to see his son play you know, 65,000 in a national televised game. That is my, I mean, I, it was like my dad went to school there. And for him, that that's one of the highlights of my life, you know, playing. And I had the opportunity to, to go to school, and he had the opportunity, my parents, to come up there and see me play like the other kids that went off. And the, the people from the uh, the, uh, the mill, the guy, the Dover that owned the mill, he had the opportunity to go to a big school like they did. And for him to walk up and down the street in Shelby, and I, you know, it didn't stop there. And then he'd be walking. He always walked up his head up and back. He walked down the street and they called Pink, saw your son on national TV, on Johnny Carson's show, Ed Sullivan's show. Man, the Big Ten champs, hey, man, he's awesome. He's awesome. And my dad walked down the street like, I mean, he was just like the king. I mean, and for for them to say that and for me to have that opportunity to have him to do that, to go to Minnesota, go to the Rose Bowl and see it, the biggest game in in the country, you know. That is the top of my pyramid. The other stuff, the wars, is great too. But to, to have the opportunity to see my parents come to Minnesota and see me play on Father's How Day, yeah. like the not Father's Day, but on, on Father's Day, well, Father's Day of, at Minnesota, it was just awesome, man. I still, How did- you know, my dad passed away, but I still could see him walking up there with that big coat. With the hat on that old coat, you know, and uh, it's just unbelievable, man. Now, how did you not end up at Grambling? Did Eddie Robinson not take note, or did you not have interest in going to, uh, you know, an historically black college? Well, no, <laughs> you know, Shelby was a small, small town, man. I played six, I played six man football. We didn't have enough men to play eleven man. So, you know, nobody, if I end up, is going to antique college, which is all in North Carolina. It's all black school college there. Uh, John C. Smith is a junior college out of Charlotte. Uh, Morgan, you know, all these are small, a small town, black school. And uh, nobody really saw me play in high school until I really got to the All-Star game and these coaches saw me. Play because you know you you got Shelby tucked in there next to the mountain, you know, right in the mountain there. You played a little bitty town. That was it. You know, you didn't get exposed to like some of these other players did. And I never got you know, Grandma. I saw Grandma play the antique one time in college. With, I mean, in uh, in uh, North Carolina, but you know, I wasn't exposed to a lot of this stuff. So, 
And, uh, you know, I played basketball, I played football, uh, football, I played, see, we played basketball and football in high school. That's it, no baseball. We had a baseball uh, boys club, and I had a chance to play with the White Sox uh, uh, on the farm team. They came through Charlotte, I mean, Charlotte, and saw us play over there in a, in a field, you know, and they wanted to sign me to a baseball contract, you know, and I said, no. Nah. My dad said, if you do that, you don't want to go, you got that you want to go off to college. You know, and so, you know, nobody actually saw me. When I got really exposed, is when uh, Lake Jim Taylor from North Carolina saw me and the coach did, and called Coach Walmart. And Coach Walmart brought me to the campus, you know. They hadn't seen me play it at one down. They went on the word of death, you know, and that's what happened, you know. Do you so ever, once I, huh? Did you ever think to yourself, you know what? I wish I could have played more quarterback in college because I think I could have done some phenomenal things. Or it was basically blacks were not considered <laughs> smart enough to be quarterbacks. No, no. That, you, you, do you remember Sandy Stevenson? Sandy Stevenson, right? I, I was was say, who, was, who was the better quarterback? Sandy, you were Sandy Stevens. Sandy Stevens was a quarterback from Uniontown. He was a first black All American quarterback. Right. He was on the same team. Sandy was, Bill Muncy, which is Chuck Muncy's brother, Judge Dixon was there, and we all was there. And, they, you know, that was there. Well, you know, that's the whole thing is that the coach, Coach Woman, you know, God rest his soul, he passed away uh, uh, a couple of years, a few years ago. He brought me into his office in my sophomore year. At that time, the freshmen could not play varsity football, and he had me running the uh, freshman year quarterback. And the next year, he brought some, he brought me in the office and said, "Hey, listen, this is what I got to do." He said, I'm, "We've been losing, 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 but I want I want eleven of my best players on the field at the same time." And he said, "I want you to be part of that." I said, "Hey, coach, not a problem." Cause you know, I, hey, I played any position. And then he said, I'm moving you to offensive tackle. And I laughed at him. I said, oh, come on, coach. Tackle? <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm moving you to offensive tackle. I said, wait a minute. I laughed. I thought he was kidding. You know? So I joked it. I said, yeah, yeah, coach. He said, no, no, that's what I'm going to do. He said, because I want my best players all of them on the field at the same time. So now we can go both ways. And I said, well, I stood up. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. And I turned around and looked at him. I stood up. I said, coach, I never played tackle, but I'm, but I'm coachable. That's all I said to him. I said, I'm coachable. I told him when I walked out, if you got somebody to teach me how to play tackle, I'll play tackle. And that's what happened. I went out there and I thought, you know, I was so nervous when they came out for that spring ball. At my uh, sophomore year, and I, I didn't see my name. We had a we had thirteen teams suited up, you know. And I walked out and I looked down. The I figured uh, he's got to be kidding. Me. I might be an N. I looked down there, no N. My name's nowhere on all of them charts. Halfback, no way. And the quarterback that was out. We had three quarterbacks up there at four. You know. And I went down. Oh. And I'm sitting there in the thing. I was nervous, you know. And, and Coach Crawford, which was a line coach, came out and said, what's wrong with you? 
And I, my heart was beating out of my chest because I thought maybe they'd let me go. Don't send me back home. I thought they was gone. He said, what? I said, Coach, my name. He forgot to put my name. I said, is I'm on anybody team? He said, well, hell, Bell, we'll go down on the tackles. I went down the tackles, and I went all the way down to the 13th team. I was on the 13th team tackle. And I went out there, had no idea what I was doing. And for the first three or four days, I was getting beat like a tom-tom. Into it. And then I told the coach, Crawford, you got to stay out here. Tell me, show me, coach me, teach me how to play tackle because I'm a player. And at that time, it, uh, my sophomore year was that it was all, uh, you know, junior and senior team. First, the first two teams were juniors and seniors. They wouldn't, they said it wouldn't be a, Sid Harper said it wouldn't be a, a sophomore make the team. Would not make the team. And I said, no, man, I'm going to make the teams. I ended up when they, from the first game we played, I was only sophomore. I started it offensive tackle and defensive end and never gave it up the whole time. And uh, it, it was just, uh, just wanted to say, I, you know, I, I could have been a quarterback, a running back. I didn't care what it was, you know, but I wasn't going home, man. <laughs> I'd have played any position. I ended up, I told him, I, I played at probably every position out there. I even centered the ball. I even centered the ball on field goals and extra point. I also did that in the pros, too. I centered the ball on extra point when you're on center room. You know, and, and uh, Gerald Wilson, I snapped the ball for him. Because, I, you know, I just say, hey, I want to play. You know, and, and the more you play, you know, you're more involved in the game. You know, and, uh, you know, at, from the from us, I mean, us like blacks going to Minnesota, it was a moving thing for the blacks across the South because everybody started watching us play at Minnesota, the Big Ten. We was on national TV all the time. We won. We was just Rose Bowl two years in a row, national champs, uh, Big Ten champs. You know, we just, hey, we was on TV. And, and everybody trying to figure out this all black uh, backfield. It was all black. How did how they win the national champs? They said they couldn't do it. Rose Bowls, you know, you know, big pincher. They can't do it. And we we had a powerhouse. We were beating everybody. In that, you know, and uh, you know, that, from that we start. I, the next year we re, I re, we kind of recruited Carl Ella from North Carolina, JD. Lou Hudson, sweet Lou Hudson basketball. I was the first black basketball player at University of Minnesota. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know that. I played basketball at Minnesota. And you get drafted by the Vikings in the NFL, and you got yeah. drafted by and the Chiefs. Do you yeah. think you're going to end up a Viking? Well, I, you know, at that time, you know, I just said the Vikings drafted me, what, third round, you know, they could, it, they were saying that I was too small to play your offensive top and defense again or whatever, you know. They said I was too small to do that. Minnesota drafted me third, and, the, and Kansas City got me seventh. I went to Mon- I was it, Montreal drafted me too also. And uh, <clears throat> everybody thought I was going to go to Minnesota because I played at the university, and Minnesota drafted me. But yeah, at that time, Minnesota didn't want you know, uh, Vander, uh, was it, uh, uh, who was it? Van Brocklin was the coach there, you know. 
And uh, I, I was telling him, hey, I'd like to play here, but I'm on a three-year contract. You know, you got to give me a chance. You know, not a one-year, a three-year. And uh, I wanted to guarantee it, you know, because I didn't want to be jacked around. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, yeah, we'll give you three years. They didn't they want to give me one year, two year, three year contract, you know, but they didn't want to guarantee, you know. Lamar Hunt came up. I never talked to any, not one of the coaches from Kansas City. Lamar came to Minnesota and just with me. Took him out and got some ice cream. He wanted to know where to get some good ice cream. Took him down to University of Arizona to the ice cream place. So he said, hey, I'd like for you to be part of my organization. I started the new league three. Two years ago, he said, I want to, you to be part of it. And, uh, and, uh, and that was the thing. He said, what's it going to take? And we went back and forth, you know. I said, I don't know. You know, he just kept on just telling me. So I ended up signing. I ended up signing with the uh, uh, Kansas City at the time. Well, it was a much contract. We Dallas, Texas. He, that was the year they moved, the 63, you know. And uh, I told him, I said, hey, Without even going down there, I even talking to the coach. And when we came to terms, on a long t- it was a long term contract. Signed the contract. I jumped after. I mean, I didn't sign it because he didn't have it at the time. But he we agreed. He shook my hand. And the next morning, I went flying to New York to be on Johnny Carson and Ed Sullivan show for the All American thing. And uh, shook his hand. He rode to, with me to New York. Lamar did. And that's how it started with Lamar, you know. Everybody thought I was going to invite it, you know. I'm kind of glad I did with the, with the Chiefs, you know. Because I think people ask me this all the time about, hey, listen, what do you think? If you were to change, could you, would you change anything, you know, going from Shelby to Cleveland High, high School, six-man football? I wouldn't change anything. I mean, that that. That ride from Shelby to Greensboro, Greensboro to uh, Minneapolis, I wouldn't change anything there. I mean, the, how many guys can say they won the state championship in, uh, in football and basketball in high school? Uh, how many can say they won the championship of the national championship, Big Ten champs? How many can say that they won the uh we beat college all-stars, beat the Green Bay in 63. We, the, the college all-stars beat the Green Bay Packers in 63. I was on that team. And I know, I Vince, mean, I know Vince Lombardi wasn't happy about that. Oh, he was not happy, man. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, and uh, how many can say they won this, what's the next, Super Bowl? I bet you ain't that many guys out there could have won all those things, you know. It went from high school, college, you know, the pros in that order. And, uh, you know, that was one. Well, hey, and when I got to, when I got out of high, I mean, college, you know, I went to the All-Star game. I went up there as a defensive end, offensive tackle, you know, to the All-Star. Uh, Otto Graham was a coach. You remember Otto Graham? He was a coach at the All-Star and I don't know, for some reason, he called back up to Minnesota and told Sid Hartman, called Coach Stram also and told him, hey, man, this Bobby Bell is not tapping. I weighed about 215, 218, soaking wet. He said, this guy can't play, you know. 
he made me leave the offense and our defensive end. He took me, told me to go down there with the linebackers. <laughs> he told me to go down there. He, he said, you can't play up here, man. Go down there. So I, now I changed again. I changed position like toilet paper. <laughs> I went, I went down, I went down to the linebacker crew. Guess who was the linebacker crew? Who was on that group? Leroy Jordan. Wow. Dave Robertson. <laughs> and, and Kathy. Leroy, I mean, Kathy was the other linebacker. So I go down there, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Went down there to play linebacker. And, uh, we end up, I end up, I end up starting as a linebacker. First time. I don't knew what he was Leroy. doing. Huh? I don't knew what he was doing. Oh man, <laughs> he 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 was he. I, I don't know what I must have pissed him off or something. But he he <laughs> took me down there. He sent me down there. I had no idea. I sit there and watch these guys and learn what to do. You know, that's how to learn. Hey, got in the game. You know, I almost got most valuable player. Who was it? Uh, Vandy Kellen got most valuable player of the game. But the thing about the whole situation about that though is that uh, Otto Brown was. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what I did. You know, really, you know, pee him off or piss him off or something. But he, he swore him down that uh, you know. And one of the things that bothered me though was that I got a no cut contract with the Chiefs, you know, with the Dallas Texans. And back then, a lot of them coaches didn't like that. They don't give out no cuts, you know. That's what Van uh, Brocker wouldn't do. They don't do that, you know. They don't do that stuff. You know but why? Anyway, they, you know why Otto didn't like you because he went to Northwestern and you guys were beating Northwestern in Minnesota. Oh yeah, we beat him like Tom Tom's man all the time <laughs> you know, when I was there. But the thing also, the Otto, you know, you know, after that, you know, and, and even after I, you know, ended up playing left linebacker and, and uh, Leroy, Leroy played the middle and Dave Robinson played the right, you know, we all kind of change positions, you know, but we end up playing linebacker. And the, and the, in the game, uh, right before the game, you know, uh, right before the game started, they're going to introduce, and they, they pull, they're going to introduce the Green Bay offense, and they say, oh, we're going to introduce y'all defense. And as uh, we line up on the sideline, so the coach comes up to me and says, hey, Catherine's uh, going to be introduced instead of you. I said, well, Oh, I thought I was just on the starting uh, defensive linebacker. He said, "He said, well, yeah, but uh, Otto said he, he want Captain to be in this." Okay, he, play, he, he introduced him, <laughs> so he introduced him, and he goes out there and played three three plays. And the coach said, "Man, you got to get in there." So I played the rest of the game. But you know, it just it's it just strange that the way things happen. You know, Otto for a long time wouldn't say much to me until he came. I was playing with the Chiefs, playing against the uh, Jets, and Otto was coaching the uh, military. Was that up north, uh, upstate there? The uh, university Otto was. He was the head coach. Anyway, we were playing the uh, uh, Jets, and I played the game. And after the game. I looked up, I saw Otto walk into the locker room. He walked in the locker room. He walked straight over to the locker. 
And I, he, he just walked straight in there and said, hey, Val, he said, I, I want to apologize to you about some things, but uh, I want I just want to let you know that you are a hell of a player, football player. And I said, oh, thank you. And he turned around and walked away. And that was it. Well, that was it. Yeah. Every time I saw him at a function or something like that, he would acknowledge, he'd be the first one to come up to me. Hey, Bell, come here. I want to introduce you to somebody, you know. But, you know, that, that, was, that was my trail, you know, my learning process from, the, from high school, you know, learning how to adjust, learning how to change with the different organizations. You know. Hey, man, it was a learning for me. I learned a lot, you know, by playing quarterback. I learned how to play defense, read. You know, I tell, I talk to Willie Lanier. In fact, he's in town today, you know, I talk to him all. We talk all the time, you know. And when we was in the game, just stuff, how we used to talk about, you know, we, we was like coaches on the field. I mean, when we played defense, hey, man, we didn't change. We didn't have a platoon. We had 11 guys out there. They come out there with a, a formation, you know. We check off and we had to play. That's why I ended up. I played defense in. I uh, moved back and played linebacker. I could play out, cornerback. I could play safety. It didn't make no difference. And we just used the personnel that we had on the field. We had to learn how to adjust to it. Because Willie, Willie was like the quarterback of the defense being the middle linebacker, and he was the first black middle linebacker, right? Hey, he was the first middle linebacker. Really. We had a lot of first, man. Hey, man, we played. I mean, it's it was just awesome. Yeah, he was the first middle linebacker, like linebacker. You know, they said they couldn't do that. That's why a lot of the guys <clears throat> that uh, played uh, college ball, black quarterbacks and stuff. Well, we in Minnesota, I, well, we we recruited Tony Donji. Tony Donji came to Minnesota. Uh, we had you know Jimmy Ray came to Michigan. And a lot of these guys came to the, the Big Ten school because he saw us play back in the 60s. All these black guys at Minnesota, you know, they started to. Jesse Jackson went to Illinois. And he went up there and he wanted to play up there. And they didn't treat him like they was treating us at Minnesota. So he left, you know. But, you know, we had a lot of blacks there. We got a lot of players that come out of the South to come up north to, to the uh, – to the big school and start playing. That's when they start branching out yeah. all over the country. Because Bobby Mitchell was in Illinois. He couldn't even see the field. That's right. So you, you get to training camp with the Chiefs under Hank Scram. What, what was playing for Hank Scram like? Hey, it, that was awesome, man. You know, Coach Scram was a great coach, man. He was, uh, as they say, he was before his time, you know, because they said that everything that he was doing, he had offense, you know. We had a defense. I mean, he had big players, small players, wide players, you know, quick players. He wanted he wanted to win. He didn't give a he's a coach that care whether you blue, black, green, orange, white, orange, uh, any color. If you could play, he just wanna know can you play football. Even to what? And that's the way he was. I mean, he was a, he cared about you as a man, you know. Coach, he, I mean, he looked at you like a man. He respected, we respected him. And, and up until the day he passed away, you know, 
I, I talked to him. He would call us up. I called me up. I would go down and visit him at his place, you know, and I'd be in the swimming pool swimming. He, he called me. The first thing he asked me, how you doing? How your family's doing? That was, that was a coach, you know. And, you know, we came out with the uh, spread, spread offense, you know, and everybody thought, you can't run that stuff, you know. You can't do that. We came out with the triple, st- triple stack, we called it, the triple stack, you know, the three linemen and the four linebackers, you know. They said, you can't do that stuff. They, everybody wants to run the 4-3. You know, the spread offense, they called it, they had to name it, they give it a different name. They called it the West Coast. We was running all that stuff back then. You know, when we came out and back in the first Super Bowl, you know, Coach Hey, coach said, hey, we can beat these guys. You know, the only reason we lost that first game is uh, we turned the ball over to Green Bay in that Super Bowl. It was a championship game. But, you know, we we turned that ball over twice, John. That's 14 points. That's, that was the game right there. You can't do that to a, uh, a veteran team like Green Bay was. But we just wanted another opportunity to come back in and play that Super Bowl. And we know we had a great team. That's when we played against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And we was on the dog, what, 17 points, you know. And we felt like, hey, there's no way. Coach said, hey, they ain't that. They, they not that. They, they're good. He said, but we can beat them. We got a better team. And we was a wild card that year because we came back to Minnesota, uh, New York and beat the Jets. The Jets thought they was going to go back to Super Bowl back-to-back. And, and uh, Oakland beat us twice that year. Uh, Oakland beat us twice. And Sram said, we gotta, we beat the Jets. we got to go back and play Oakland for the third time. There's no way they're going to beat us the third time. We had a too good a team. And that was the thing. Coach, he always came up with something new, you know. He always keep that line. I mean, keep everybody fresh and strong. We came out with the... Uh, uh, we were the first team, I think, with Gatorade. We are the first team that we had a, a weight coach. They had a Roy, uh, came from Dallas. He was in Dallas, and they said, no, nah, we don't need no weight coach. And Coach Sram brought him up to Kansas City, had everybody lifting weights and stuff, you know, stretching, lifting weights, stretching, lifting weights. We had quick guys. We had strong people, you know, and that's why we ended up playing Minnesota we basically crossed the line to manhandle the guys up there. I mean, we had backs, running backs, but bench stretching 250, 240, 260. Uh, so, you know, he was out, and Coach Strand was just out in, in front of everybody. He, anything new or something like that, he had it. He wanted to, you know, experiment this, you know. He wanted quick guys. You, can we get We had a... Uh, Volleyball. I'm not. We had a racquetball court inside the stadium. You know, he said, "I want you guys to learn how to play this this game." I already knew how to play racquetball from Minnesota, but he had linemen in there because of what? You move it quick, quick, quick steps. We had us playing tournaments and stuff like that. You know, he came up with that you know, stretches, all all kinds of different things like that. If it was out there, he wanted to know about it. I thought and he inferred. You- I thought you lost Super Bowl one because Fred the Hammer Williamson couldn't cover Max McGee. No, he wouldn't make it. <laughs> we covered him. He called a couple passes, you know, but the Hammer, you know, we called an attack. You know, he Fred was the left cornerback. I was the left linebacker. And I told Fred, I said, Fred, why are you running your mouth? 
you just talking. I want to do this and do that. And you didn't. Freddie knew that I was a linebacker. If anything came out that way, he knew I was going to take it out. You know, he'd come up and jump on the pile or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and that one time. He came out. I cleaned out everything, but uh, Donnie Anderson hit him in the head with his leg and knocked him out. So <laughs> I told, I went over to Freddie. I said, Freddie, I said, hey, man, get up. He said, man, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably the only person in his life that shut up the hammer. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, my God, man. He said, leave me alone. He went and took him over to the side. I said, hey, Freddie, what's up, man? <laughs> I know Fred. I see him all the time. Yeah, I talk to him, you know. Yeah, he got, uh, yeah, Donnie hit him upside the head. He, said, he tells everybody he, he he broke his leg or something, you know, what he did. <laughs> but that, that was a problem. And we, we, we lost that game, like I said, you know, the two turnover. I think uh, Woods intercepted the ball one of the lineage or someone like Palm or something, you know, and uh, they got the two turnover and they got 14 points. And that was the game. Uh, because we going in the head time, we was kind of head up head, you know, and we turned it over. But we went in that the fourth Super Bowl. There's no way we we're gonna lose that. There's no way we we're just gonna shut them down because we felt we had the best defense, and we felt that they could not keep up with Mike Garrett and their when the Hayes, Frank Pitts, Otis Taylor. You know, we had. These guys were so quick and fast, man. They were like horses, man, run. Like thoroughbreds, all over. And, you know, they they start off getting deep, you know. We get with the short stuff. Uh, if, they, if they want an offense or they want to pinch on the quarterback, you know, we do the in-around reverse on them, you know. Just keep them, off, keep, keep them off balance all the time. That's what the coach like, you know. So, you know, Coach Strand was a great coach, you know, and a lot of stuff, you know. And uh, I tell you what, you know, he should have went into the Hall of Fame a long time before he did, you know, because uh, everybody thought that he made fun of the uh, team by calling the plays on the sideline. You know, uh, they had the NFL film brought all them cameras down there, and uh, what Grant said, he wasn't going to put the stuff on. And they went over to the coach and said, Will you mic can we mic you up? We wanna take everything. We're gonna take we got cameras here, we're gonna use them. And Coach Ram did it, you know, he didn't tell nobody. But you know, you sit there and call the plays off the sideline, send them in with you know, the glass of going that's on, you know. Sixty five power sweep, that's in there, you know. And everybody it was like a strip, you know. He called the play and it worked. <laughs> everything we do is it's worked, you know. Yeah. But uh as a coach and a man himself, man, he, he cared about his players. And I tell you what, he kept, after he left the chief, went to New Orleans, you know, he kept in contact with all of his players in Kansas City. And I talked to his son. I talked to his, his wife, you know, Phyllis. And uh, Stu is here in town. Dale is down in New Orleans. I talked to him maybe once or twice a month, all the time. And that's the way the coach was. He would call and say, hey, if he found out some other player had a problem somewhere, you know, if it's in, in Kansas City and he gets a message, he'll call me or, uh, uh, or somebody in town here or Ed Buddy or somebody said, hey, guys, 
you need to check on so-and-so. I heard this so-and-so. And I, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's the way he was. I mean, until he passed away. He's always like that. I mean, he was a coach. You know, you could go into his office and sit down. If you've got a problem or something, you go in there and sit down with him. If, he, if something comes up, he'll call you in the office, you know. Hey, he asked, he'll point blank ask you, you know. Hey, man, this is so-and-so. What's the deal here? Let's straighten this out, you know. That's the way he was. He was just a hands-on coach. Hands-on coach. Yeah. Who was the best running back you ever went up against? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Man, the, the guy that gave me a lot of uh, was the hardest guy to hit was Larry Zonko. You ever heard of him? Yeah, Hall of Famer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My hands were full, man. I mean, I, oh, my goodness. A lot, of the for- like- a lot of the former players said the best player they ever saw play was Jim Brown, though. Uh, I didn't get to play against Jim Brown, you know. Jim was a great player, you know, back in his time, you know. They had, uh, they got Marcus Allen was a great player, too, man. And Zonka was a sort of head beater, you know. Uh, you know, I used to get, you know, who was it? Larry, uh, Leroy Jordan, not Leroy Kelly, you know. I used to get on him a lot, you know. But they had some good, they had some great running backs around. And, but, you know, you know, you just pick out one, you know, Larry Zonka, you know. Uh, and, I mean, playing with the linebacker, you know, John Mackey and uh, Jackie Smith, tight ends. I played over the top of These guys, I mean, bring your lunch, man. Bring your lunch. You got your hands full all day. Is there a better linebacker? Is there a better linebacking crew than you, Willie Glenier, and Emmett Thomas? Jim Lynch uh, and Jim Lynch. No, yeah, Jim Lynch. Nah, I don't know. I, I, I want. I'm kind of treasured, you know. I think we've had the best linebacker. You know, I mean, if I wanted, to, if I had a choice of picking people, I wouldn't change it. I would pick Lanier and Jim Lynch in a heartbeat. Yeah, if I, if I picked. Uh, a uh, linebacker, I would, that's who I would pick, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I love it. You know, I love it. I mean, we got to the point is we, we knew each other. We know the capabilities of Willie, and Willie knew the capability of me, Jim Lynch. We, we knew. We knew what we could do and couldn't do, you know. And we, we, we compensate each other. That's what you do. You compensate. Same way with the offense. I mean, the defense, the, Cornerback and Jimmy Marcel's Amy Thomas, you know Jim Marshall. I mean, hey man, these are these guys. Johnny Robinson, you know, it was like having a lot. It's like having five or six coaches on the field. I mean, we come up to the line, look for that man. You don't have to worry. You don't have to call time out. Let's check out. Say, hey man, who's the song song? Let's go check out. Check out, man, man. We talk to each other, you know. Now they these players don't even talk to each other, you know. They don't even talk to each other. You have this. I see guys calling timeouts. I don't know what I'm doing out here. Same way with offense, you know. Quarterback check off, you know. The end. You know, this is not my play. I don't know what to do. What route, you know? That means they don't learn. They don't learn the system. They don't learn the whole process. You don't do the test, 
you don't do the test for half of the uh, the uh, first quarter and the second quarter. You do the test for the whole game. You know what everybody. If I I want to know what everybody's doing. You know when I do the test, I t- I put in all the offenses. I mean the defense. What position they are on the every play that comes up. You know they give me the test. I fill in everybody's job assignments because I wanted to know that. And that's the way we did that, you know, because I know I got help here. I don't have no help here. I know that Willie's going out on the other end at the uh, at the uh, hooks position. I know I don't have no help. If I go, if the end release inside, if I let him go in and I'm going out to the flat, I'm going to hit him and give him up to Lanier. Lanier knows he's going to pick him up. He's not coming off clean, but I'm going this way. I got to help. You got to know that, you know. You got to play the guy tough from the outside or the inside because you don't have no, you don't have no inside help. So I'm, a, I'm not, I don't want him to get inside of me because he can get free. So you know, you got to play them games. You got to be smart in the game. So you know, that's what we had on our team. You know, the coach, we you know you go in there, you study the movies, you pen, you study the film, you do all that stuff. Some of these players don't even have no idea. They got everything is computerized, you know, boom, 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 boom. What do you do in a position like this? Oh, no, let me call the coach. They, put the, they got these helmets wired up, man. <laughs> coach said, well, yeah, man, you got to run left, right, left. I don't know what they've done. But we call the play on the field. You got to make the learn how to make the adjustment, you know. You know how they do they end up in it. To be fighting a war over in the jungle somewhere, you know, you're out in the middle of this thing, you know. That you've been, they trained you, got you ready for it, and you drop you over there. And when some situation come up, you don't see. You got to make adjustment, right? Exactly. You can't call time out and call the lieutenant, the colonel back there and say, "Hey, I don't this this we didn't have on our test." <laughs> Is there one tackle that stands out in your memory? One tackle that you made. People point to the to you stopping Matt Snell in the '69 uh, AFL divisional game of the Jets. Uh, I don't know the Jets. You know that? You mean that play? Yeah, I got the game yeah. ball there for the Jets. You know, I don't know that one time. You know, they got Snell coming in there. You know, and Joe takes it in there and pulls it out. You know, he said, "Oh man, Bell, he's going to go for this fake." He's going for it. He's going for it. He came out of there, and I said, nope, here I am, Joe. <laughs> Stopped him right there on, like, the 7-8 line. You know, he's just a, he, he cussed me out. God damn it, Bell. He said, you, there's no way. How do you, what? You know, he, he just pulled the ball out. Then he didn't give it to him. Because he was going to drop it. That's no. We stopped him. We beat him. That was a big play right there. You know, well, uh, Lanier was talking, saying, hey, man, we can't let him score. We can't let him score. They can't score. They score. A lot of people say Namath was the most overrated quarterback in the Hall of Fame. Are you kidding me? A lot of people say that, that he didn't have Hall of Fame numbers. It was all he got in based upon his prediction of winning the Super Bowl, and he had average stats. Well, i tell you what. He's a hell of a quarterback, as far as I'm concerned. Here's a guy, I played against him, you know. I played against him, and I see him. We to, he came to Kansas City one time, and this stands out in my mind. And he threw the ball three times, same way, 
We need to step the ball twice on it. Same play. And the third time, touchdown. You know, he goes like, God darn it, I knew that thing would work. I mean, he sat there and pick them out, you know. He calls the plays up there. He picks them out. Oh, man, he just, I, I don't know what people's thinking about what they've seen, you know. But, you know, here's a guy saying that, hey, man, I, I, and I, I, let's, let's go back one step and say, hey, that's one of the things about quarterback, you know, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning right now. I mean, he reminds me, that's how I kind of like Joe, Joe Namath did, you know. He come up the line and eat you alive, man. Eat you alive. Peyton Manning comes up there and look at and study the things. Oh, this is going to work here. He tells everybody. That's the guy that, you know, I would love to play with Peyton Manning, you know, play with uh, Joe Namath, you know. Uh, Johnny in the 90s, you know. I mean, look, look at Johnny in the 90s. You know, I played against Johnny in the 90s, man. I thought he was a great, you know, I sacked Johnny in the 90s, you know. I, let me knock on wood. <laughs> I, I sacked him. I think that was I made. I think I made the first sack on Monday Night Football against Johnny Unitas. But you know, I, Joe Namath should be great. I thought he was one of the greatest quarterbacks. You know, I wouldn't want to go, go get. Huh? Did you have a favorite quarterback to go up against? You had twenty six interceptions in your career, and you know. Uh, 40 sacks. Did you say, okay, today's going to be a good day? I, I, I like, I like my chances of, of either sacking the guy or making an interception today. No, you know what I do? I approach the game in a way that I, I do my homework, you know, and I like it at the time. It depends on what the, who I'm playing against, you know. I know some of the things that he likes to do and stuff like that, you know, not to, just to pick out one guy, you know. But uh, you know, if I play my if I play my game the way I'm supposed to, I'm gonna end up. Here's my thing to coach Stram. You know, every time we negotiated a new contract, I never, I never, I always end up playing maybe two years on the contract and they, they extend it. You know, and I always walked into his office and coach. The reason I want you to pay me is because I'm gonna give you the ball two and a half times a game, a turnover. You hear what I mean? I'm going to give you the ball. I'm going to either intercept you, you know, make a formal, create a formal, a two interception, a game. I'm going to turn the ball over to you. That's my goal is to give it to you two and a half times a game. Some games I might get three. You know, one game I might give you the you know, but I'm an average two and a half times. And I said to the coach, I said, Coach, you need to get you another player to do that. And I said, if you get it that, you get a turnover, make a turnover. Four or five, four, four times a game, can you win the game? <laughs> and I walk out of his office. That's what I do. I am going to make, I'm going to make something happen. Every game, I don't care what we're playing against, a rookie, a veteran, or whatever, I'm going to make, I, I said, that's me. Now, my goal is to turn, to make two and a half to three turnovers. I'm going to intercept the ball, create a formal, or something, a score touchdown. I'm going to do it. What was your thoughts when you found out you got into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? 
going back then, you know, at that time, I didn't even know I was up for it, you know. Back in uh, 83, uh, Pete Alley, I played against him in college, you know, when he was at Michigan, and uh, he was the president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I didn't even know it. In fact, I didn't even go to the Super Bowl that year. That was the one year I missed going to the Super Bowl. And PL is the one that called me. You know, they voted on it. They don't, the way they do it now, everybody would know for a whole, almost a, a year, who's eligible for going into the Hall of Fame. Back then, you didn't know anything. They, they walked into a room and decide, you know, they go in this well, this is who, this is this. And then you wouldn't even know until Saturday, you know, who probably eligible for it. And then they pick it. So I didn't have no idea until I got a message from Pete. I, as I, I, my son was playing at, my Bobby June was playing at Missouri. And, uh, and, uh, I would, I did something, you know, and I called him up at Missouri on Sunday. And I said, because he played it. I called him up and said, Bobby, I said, are you sitting down? I said, I just got a call from Pete Elliott on the phone and said, hey, I'm being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And his roommate, Willard Davidson, you know, Willard Davidson, the play for the Packer. Right. His son, his son and Bobby Jr. was roommate in college in Missouri. And Willard went in like the year before me, the, before 83. I think he went in in 82. And here we are. I'm going in this year, and they both, Bobby Jr. and Willard Jr., they are roommates at Missouri, playing at Missouri. So that's that's how I found out. I went, oh, my gosh. Pete, Pete wouldn't let nobody else call me. P.L. it was because he was a friend, you know, I played against him. He said, I want to call Bobby myself. He called me and told me. And, you were, and you were the only defensive player to go in that year. The rest of the guys were all offensive players. I talked to Paul Warfield every day, uh, two days ago. You know, I, I see him and Beverly, and I talked to him. We, uh, we went out to lunch at the Super Bowl, I mean, dinner for Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Bobby Mitchell, we all of us got, every one of us, were great friends, got became close friends, man. Uh, Sonny Jurgensen, you know, we lost one guy, you know, and this year with, this year is our 30 years. I've been in the Hall of Fame 30 years. This year, during the 50-year reunion, we all going back there except Sid Gilman. He passed away. Yeah. So, hey, we had a, the, the group was awesome, man. You guys are a, t- you guys are a tight-knit family, you Hall of Famers. You all stick together. Oh, man, it's, it's awesome, man. You know, the thing about it, you know, I I got to know, I, I went in 30 years ago, and I got an opportunity to meet a lot of the guys that I, you know, I read about in books. Now I get to meet them personally, you know. Uh, Marion Motley, we came, we mean Marion Motley, became great friends. Henry, John Henry Johnson, Joe Perry, we, we, I, we did so much of the family, you know. We got to know each other, the grandkids. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. It's a it's a fraternity that you know, 
hey, like I said to a lot of people, it's a fraternity that we join. Hey, guys, we all here together. We played against each other. Uh, we have a lot of fun now. Now we're on the same team. We're on a team now that you can't, they can't trade you. They can't cut you at all. <laughs> you know? We, and we all is the same. It's not one better than the other. Elliot, another great show. Even though we had one guest, he did it all. Right. And I think Bobby Bell probably could have gone on for another hour if you and I had the time. Yeah, he was still going. Right. But we want to thank our producer, Dave Olson, for another great job editing the video and the audio. I'm David Spader here with Elliot Harris. Thanks for listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com.